From the Financial Times in London, I'm Jonathan Wheatley and this is FT News. Colombia's peace accord this week brings an end to a civil war that lasted for over 50 years. The agreement signed by the government and the country's largest Marxist rebel group brings down the curtain on guerrilla-inspired revolutionary movements in Latin America and runs parallel to hopes of change in communist Cuba. But many Colombians have doubts about the deal and they will either ratify or reject it in a national referendum on Sunday. John Paul Rathbone, the FT's Latin American editor, and Andres Scipani and his correspondent are in Colombia where they've been testing the public mood ahead of the vote. And they're on the line with me now. Hi, John Paul and Andres. First of all, JP, how significant would an end to this conflict be for Colombia? The potential peace dividend is huge. It holds out the promise of the end of a conflict that's left a quarter of a million people dead and nine million people displaced. Not many people are aware of the size of the conflict in Colombia, but it's reached out into the region and to much of the Western Hemisphere. So I think what makes it most interesting, perhaps, is here you have the possibility of a rebel group subscribing to the laws of a state that is never even recognized. So in that sense, it represents a victory for institutionality and the end for irregular guerrilla war. Furthermore, because the FARC have been so deep into narco-trafficking, it has very important consequences, potentially, for the cocaine trade, and Colombia remains the world's largest cocaine exporter. First of all, though, you have to pay for the peace and the cost of demobilizing guerrillas and reinserting them into civil society, and that's a long haul and a difficult one, too. Andres, how did the government manage to reach an agreement after, what, four years of talks in these talks? And what was it that clinched the deal in the end? Well, I think we have to backtrack a bit here. I mean, roughly for the past 15 years, after an all-out military offensive with US backing, the FARC had been weakened, not defeated, but weakened. And that, and some pressure from the late president of Venezuela, Hugo Chavez, who cornered the FARC to sit down with the government, were the main factors for having the result that was signed this week. There was about a year of, of secret back-channel talks, and finally, four years ago, the negotiations formally started. I think one of the secrets of its success was that it had a short and quite realistic agenda that had six points in it. For example, the agenda of the last peace attempt in the early 2000s had over 100 points, so it was completely impossible to accomplish. I've been to Havana a couple of times where the talks took place and saw the negotiators there, And everything was very seriously planned and actually executed. There were a couple of sticky points, of course, mainly transitional justice, which is essentially how to punish rebel leaders for crimes against humanity and the demobilization of the FARC fighters. But even if sometimes negotiations were tense, there has always been, particularly over the past year or two years, a sense that there was commitment from both sides to actually end this war. And I think that played out into the final announcement of the ceasefire in uh, June and the agreement that was announced last month and signed this Monday. And why hold a referendum? That sounds a bit risky. Why is that so important? Well, it is risky, much like Brexit was risky. I think President Juan Manuel Santos had repeatedly said there was going to be a referendum for Colombians who hate the FARC and mistrust the peace attempt to have the final say on this. On Monday, before the signing of the peace agreement, we've interviewed Jonathan Powell in Cartagena. He was involved in the Northern Ireland peace process, advised the Colombian government on the FARC peace talks, and even made the case to President Santos for the referendum. I made the case to President Santos for a referendum because it does give you that popular support that you can demonstrate. And then if you need to legislate or do difficult things when it comes to implementing the peace agreement, you can show that you have got public support. Now, it's difficult to win the referendum in Northern Ireland 
we very nearly lost the unionist vote. We had to really pull out all the stops in the last uh, few weeks to get the unionists about 50%. And then with that referendum, that enabled us to get some of the difficult things in terms of implementation. And that was a short clip from British diplomat Jonathan Powell. JP, you're out there, well, both of you have been out there on the street asking people about how they're going to vote. What objections are there to the deal among Colombians? I think there are three main objections. First of all, justice is the most emotional subject. The idea that guerrillas and also, this is unspoken largely, members of the armed forces will escape sanction for human rights abuses that have occurred over the past decades. Instead, they'll suffer house arrest. But the quid pro quo for that is a full confession of crimes. Anyone who doesn't confess to crimes and is subsequently found to be guilty will then face the full force of the law. But the idea, the very notion that someone who has raped teenage girls, abducted children and recruited them forcefully to join the ranks of the guerrillas, the idea that they won't face severe sanction, that's one thing that galls people. And then the idea that they will also run for Congress is especially galling. The second one is this is a developing country and a lot of people are poor and they work extremely hard. And for the first two years following demobilization, former guerrillas will get a stipend, roughly equivalent to 90% of the minimum wage. And this really gets Colombians who are hardworking people the idea that, hey, why should he or she be allowed to earn money and kick back while I have to work so hard for my living? And then the third point, which is sort of a more uh, metaphysical point, is the idea that if you bring the FARC into the political process, allowing them to swap bullets for ballots, that this might somehow infect the body politic and weaken the institutionality in Colombia. And although it may seem unlikely in a country which is better known for illegality, there's a very long and honorable legal tradition in Colombia. I think all of these complaints have some merit, but those, I'd say, are the three main bones of contention. It all boils down, basically, though, to decades of mistrust and dislike of the FARC guerrillas. Well, both of you, give me your view. I know the polls are saying there's about a 70% chance it will be approved. Andres, first, do you think it will be approved? And if it is, do you think it'll hold? I mean, there's going to be a lot of unemployed guerrillas around, aren't there? Well, I mean, after Brexit, who can trust polls anymore? But, I mean, to pass, at least 4.5 million voters must vote yes on Sunday's plebiscite. And yes, as you say, I mean, the latest poll that was released yesterday suggests 66% will choose yes. But the no side has steadily gained ground. And then, yes, as you say, I mean, the other bit will be how to reincorporate these rebel fighters. Most of them who have been in the jungle fighting since they were teenagers. I met a young commander a couple of weeks ago at a fire camp who joined the fire when he was 10 years old. He's 34 now. So it's going to take effort. It's going to take time. These guys are going to face discrimination, and some of them really fear they could be killed by the arch-nemesis, the splinter paramilitary groups who are still around and have moved into drug gangs. So the challenges ahead are massive, and implementation historically has always been the hardest part on any peace agreement. So now I think this is a mixture of delivery, compromise, and, well, yes, balancing the needs of peace and justice is always hard, but President Santos has said that this may be equivalent to swallowing toads to many Colombians, but it may be worth it when it comes to end a 52-year war. JP, do you trust the pollsters? I'm yet to meet an enthusiastic yes voter. I think the peace accord will pass, and I also think that it's really it's just the beginning of the process and implementation will be extremely difficult. Perhaps one metaphor that's useful, it's a bit like a marriage. The marriage happens, there's a great ceremony, everyone celebrates, but really it's the work that happens after the vows are made 
which makes or breaks the marriage. So I think it's going to be a long haul ahead. And as Andres said, just look around the world and most peace agreements fail because of poor implementation. We will nevertheless wish them the very best. John Paul, Andres, thanks very much. That was John Paul Rathbone in Barranquilla on the Colombian coast and Andres Kipani up in Medellin. Thanks to both of them and thank you for listening. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.